can we dim the lights? I feel like yeah, you actually there is a dimmer on that switch, okay. and you can literally dim the lights. Yeah, that's great. I didn't set up my uh, red and blue <laughs> lighting setup for the movie, but that's um, unfortunate here we are. because I feel like that would have been key to this interview. I say to everyone, there's no promotional value to you being here. So, yeah. like, <laughs> like we we can talk about you, the fact that you own a bar and we can we can talk about that but like we don't have that many listeners so it's up to you really if you want to even no no it's chill like honestly like if you thought it was relevant to know what my like credentials are (laughs) (laughs) upon speaking on the low ceiling then i i I guess i got those but i also can be ricky that's totally yeah i don't have credentials let's do it uncredentialed Just don't yell. Okay. This is a naughty yelling podcast. I don't really yell. <laughs> I don't think I've ever I, I only yell, yell in bands. So <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I do want to start off with something. Okay. I'm gonna give like a content warning for this episode. Yeah. Because this hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, no, this is we have a lot to talk about, but it's pretty violent, so I, for sure. Also, I forgot when I f- watched this again for the first time for this pod. I had forgotten like the very dark aspects about his brother and how oh, like, the, like the sex worker and the so in uh, this movie has it's very violent for one there's violence against women yes there's uh, uh, there's references to incest and sexual assault so that's off the top we can get that done yeah with. it's it's not it's uh, yeah it, it'll be we'll tread lightly for sure but yeah it's uh it's a part of the movie for sure yeah so i like i'm a little different because me and my family get together and we watch this every christmas morning but only god forgives <laughs> no <laughs> but i'm just saying maybe don't do that you know with your kids that's all yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and don't when watch. i have children this will be the first film that they see <laughs> then they can see star wars i mean it but... is a beautiful movie and so in like in its aesthetic it's very beautiful and kind of christmas it's, tree it's beautiful in its own kind of sick way yes, yes for sure i think the content warning is super important yeah. Uh, yeah. um welcome to the low ceiling i'm john you are ricky 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 what's up i'm not yelling no you're no, not good you never would okay good friend friend restaurateur sort of artist artist i Art. think i as pretentious as it sounds i think it's the truest of all the things that i could be <laughs> is that i am an artist which mostly means that i am overemployed and underpaid hell yeah yeah congratulations for that <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> i was i was thinking about it because i was like ricky's like a restaurateur mm. but when you say that in like new york it's like restaurateurs are people who own like Multiple. big, fancy, beautiful, incredible, like world-class restaurants. Whoa, what are you saying about when my you, No, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about your <laughs> restaurant. But when you say to Vancouver, you're like, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> but you guys are not at the, uh, at the restaurant that you do own, run, and operate and do everything for. Mm-hmm. Fix, cook, serve, Plum. smile, deal with complaints. Yes. All of the good things. Everything. Yeah. Best best decision I've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> my 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 wallet would disagree, but my, my heart says your wallet doesn't have a mind. It's true. And doesn't I don't think my heart does have either, a heart. Though. I think right. I think my brain might be like sitting this one out, you know? That's good. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for being here. Of course. Pre is away. She's still in India. She's 
defending herself in a case where she murdered her mother. I don't know. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to wrap this back to the film we're talking about today, which is Only God Forgives, a Nicholas Winding Refn joint from 2013 starring Ryan Gosling, currently nominated for an Academy Award in the film Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities between Barbie and this movie. I haven't watched and, Barbie. So. Well, in Barbie, you, you'd be surprised to know that in Barbie it's he kind of like takes on the patriarchy right and the patriarchy cuts his hands off with a very sharp knife wow you're right <laughs> the similarities are, are grossly similar yeah yeah it's very similar so oh. you should just i i'm i'm shocked that you didn't watch barbie as like a, a, a double feature with this movie you know i didn't yeah you know and i don't want to be one of those people that didn't watch barbie for some like crazy reason like it's barbie i i literally didn't watch barbie because i just don't watch i don't go to the movies that one word restaurant ownership yeah exactly it's (laughs) like i run a bar i just like i don't do that anymore which is a problem because i like movies and i really like i actually think i would have loved to see barbie mostly because i really like ryan gosling well he's good in that yeah you i think i think you would have enjoyed i think you would have enjoyed barbie like it's it's an entertaining movie i didn't love it but i still respect it for what it did i think it could have been i think it's probably pretty good i have no problem and i just read a pretty hilarious article about ryan gosling and barbie uh that you know i hope i'm not like defaming anybody here but i was just like wow this article is uh really really just like it was like saying like ryan gosling is um is a rarity in hollywood because he's a he's a man who has no problem supporting a stronger female lead and i was like i mean yes but also I'm like I I feel like we didn't need Barbie for Ryan Gosling to fall into that category. No, I don't think so. I think Can, so. Like the the weird context of this film, yeah, is that a, a couple things. This film really challenges the idea that Ryan Gosling at the time, remember, was like considered the sexiest man in the world. Yes, and not only that, if you remember way back like a decade ago yeah he was in a film called blue valentine have you seen yes. blue valentine oh yes and oh yes do you remember the memes about ryan gosling being a good feminist oh hey girl yeah do you remember yeah, that of course do you, i do do you know why that is no i actually don't. if i remember correctly and i'm not super connected to the world of online memes especially it wasn't back then yeah yeah it's because he does Blue Valentine uh-huh. where he goes down on Michelle Williams in that film. There's a scene where he's going down on her. And then in an interview, some person interviewing him was like, do you think like it's gratuitous to show a scene like that? And he said something about like, well, you would never ask me that if it was a, if it was a guy getting a blowjob. It's only yeah. because a woman is getting oral sex from a man that you would ever ask me that. So all these memes popped up about him. This is like a year before this film we're talking about comes out. (laughs) And in this movie, he's like the most impotent (laughs) incestuous cuck ever. He's, he's a, he's like not likable. No one in this movie is likable. What about uh, Kristen Scott Thomas? You didn't like her? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, wow. Like really the, I remember, so I hadn't watched Only God Forgives for a minute, and I rewatched it this morning to prepare for this podcast. Peaceful. It's a peaceful Sunday It watch. was a, you know, I kind of forgot, like, just how intense it actually is as a film. Yes. And um, specifically her character, like, the mother character. She oh comes my. in like a storm, too. Yeah. Right? She's like a hurricane. Like, wow. Yeah. And it just, it gets really 
Yeah, like a little bit like things that make you cringe, not because it's like embarrassing, but because it's like truly like it's like nails on a chalkboard, like a, the a very jarring, difficult, uh, dare, dare I say, shitty, <laughs> <laughs> shitty person, you know, like, yeah, like truly caustic of, as a human yeah. being. And the weird thing is, is that like there's people like her on earth yeah who aren't they're not they're not you know heads of kind of like a drug dealing duo of brothers in southeast asia but there are people who i think do act like her but they're just bad people like they're just normal bad people it's it's really bizarre to have like she's so good in that role yes it's it's unbelievable and so winding refin i i watch a lot of interviews listen to the commentary yeah he talked a lot like he mentions every time because everyone asked they're like how did you get her to do this? And I can't believe he was generous enough to not be like, well, she's a fucking actress. Yeah. <laughs> like she, she acts yeah, and well, she's, she acts, but he always talked about how they went, they went to dinner together in London Yeah, and he, someone was like, well, we don't have enough money for her, but you could talk to her and see if she wants to do the role. And he said, he was like, well, you were in four weddings and a funeral. You're my mom's favorite actress. And she was like, okay, I'll do the role, but I have to do, I, only if you let me do something I've never done before, basically. And he was like, of course, like, I can't really say no if you'll it, do the role. And she chose all of the, like, the blonde and the Miami and the Versace. Oh, and the, my all, God. Yeah. It was all her creation in a lot of ways. That's yeah. very cool to know, actually, yeah. because she made a villain. She's amazing. She is amazing. And then, like, terrifying. Speaking of Ryan Gosling, <laughs> Ryan Gosling's really good feminist image, <laughs> in the scene when she meets my the girlfriend yeah. ostensibly the girlfriend <laughs> swinding Refn doesn't speak english as his first language so he was like i need i need like really horrible insults ryan gosling came up with everything she said in that no way yeah. oh my god <laughs> which oh my god that's terrifying yeah so ryan gosling like came back he he was like yeah i'll get you some stuff and he came back and said call her a cum dumpster <laughs> which is really insane yeah and then winding reference was like i think we heard that term used like 500 times that day because she had to say it over, over and, and over, over again. again yeah oh jesus yeah i mean that nails on a chalkboard you know but. yeah this is the this is the most feminist man in hollywood everybody yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean even just the follow-up of that dinner scene like when he goes outside with my and uh, has that whole dress interaction like that yeah the the kind of big iconic moment of the take it off right like, it's like the biggest moment he has in yeah, the film and yeah. it is dark it is a dark oh, yeah. moment yeah. <laughs> so the, what always strikes me about that moment i mean we're we're like skipping into the plot but we'll get to it but what always strikes oh. me about that moment is he screams at her to take it off yeah. she takes it off then she hands it to him and then it's like a really long moment and then she just brings it back and mm-hmm. i i find it fascinating like there's so much in this movie that's unsaid yeah, and it's like that's lot. what makes it so fucking cool. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that makes it a difficult movie too, though, right? Because so much of it is kind of hidden behind, uh, you know, the the cinema of it, the 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 specific aesthetic and pace that only Nicholas Wine and Refn yeah could pull off the right? style. Yeah, there's a lot of style. I did wonder if in my second watch, if there is more style than substance in Only God Forgives, because so much of the substance is hidden underneath what would be like the glossy wrapper that Ryan Reffin just like loves. Like they just, it, mm-hmm. like he just like, like it's a stunning movie in the sense of like what you're witnessing visually. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. 
Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely gorgeous. I, I think he... Winding Refn always really has interested me because, like, the more I've seen a lot of his stuff... And to prepare for this movie, I was super ambitious, and I was like, I'm going to watch all of his movies. The ones I haven't seen. I did not do that, but I did watch... I watched Pusher, which I'd never seen before. Okay. I couldn't find Bleeder because it's impossible to find. I didn't watch Fear X or Pusher one or Pusher two and three, but then I, I rewatched Bronson, Valhalla, Drive, and this. Okay, I've seen Neon Demon a hundred times. We've done an episode on it. Yeah. Uh, go back and listen. What strikes me about it is like I fell in love with him because of Drive, but yeah, Drive yeah. is probably one of his less substantive mo- movies. It's very mm-hmm. surfacey. Yes. And just like good because of what's on the surface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas I think Only God Forgives and Neon Demon are good because of like the repeat viewing of them. Yeah. So I think there is like more to it, but you have to give it that chance kind of. Yeah, I agree. I think you do have to give it that chance. And I think that it's, you know, like with a lot of things that come from as someone that also really enjoyed Drive, I did watch this one this time feeling like, oh, it's got like, it's very or ornamental like it's very like and and that's not to say that it was substance less but i did think i'm like well you know drive felt like a pop song like was glossy and beautiful and it told a really like kind of simple straightforward straightforward here in quotation marks because nothing he does is necessarily straightforward but like the story is as you said kind of like a little bit on the on the superficial side of things you know like you can carry it on and for the most part there isn't much interpretation of what what are the events that happen whereas in only god forgives so many of the films like iconic moments like the 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 pace setting moments of it are ambiguous like you actually don't really know what anybody's thinking at any given time yeah and or why they're doing the things that they're doing and i think that that is intelligent but i also think that it makes it a very inaccessible movie right and the the interesting thing which he he talks a lot about Mm. about this movie is that and and it's not helped i watched some of the trailers D- yeah they they basically they promise you drive two yeah they and do. it is not it that. is not drive two and he he says that like he talked a lot about how it's like if you expect that it's not what you are going to expect and that is like kind of a problem but mm-hmm. also once you're over that it's one of those movies where it's like once you accept that it is the thing yeah then you can kind of like get into it drive is like in incessantly rewatchable and a really good movie like you said the pop song element of it it's just that thing and yeah. you get what you expect out of drive totally. a lot this movie is constantly not giving you what you want yeah but it's replacing it with other kind of more interesting deeper things in my opinion mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the way it's like it's kind of like is it going to be an a martial arts showdown and then Ryan Gosling fights this guy and he gets his ass handed to him. He goes and at the end he takes the guy's other sword. Is he going to go and fight him with the sword? No, he just gives him his hands to cut off. Yeah. Like it's very and uses the sword to stab his brother. Yeah. Like it's like <laughs> it's like a weird antithesis of everything you might think will happen. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a ride of a film because I also just kind of feel like it's people stuck in like a purgatory or something like it, it just feels very, and just, I think this is very true of him and a lot of his work. Yeah. Like it's in a capsule almost. And all of these events matter only to the people that are involved with them, but have like no real consequence outside of, outside of it. Like the, the world that it, it takes place in is empty. Like even Bangkok itself feels lifeless for a city totally. that's so alive. Totally. And even like everyone is sort of a pawn 
I, certainly to the cop. Yes. Right? Which, like, what? I didn't watch the credits, which I feel like it's a huge blasphemous thing that I just admitted to doing. There's so. a post credit scene where Iron Man shows up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I did definitely miss that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I do remember weirdly that that cop character somewhere, wasn't he like called the devil? Tom or- Burke, uh, Citizen Kane himself, um, he says in the first scene, he says, time to meet the devil, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he's not referring to the cop. Yeah. But when he says that, that's when you see him on screen for the first time. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, call yeah. him. They call him Chang like in the synopses. Yeah. But he's unnamed. And he's the unnamed. reason for that is that he... In for winding refin, he yeah. is actually meant to be this like supernatural force, but he's a person who believes himself to be God. Oh, okay. And oh. that's like an actual thing. Oh, that's so interesting. And, yeah, in the way that he the he justly takes people's like punishment or delivers meets out punishment yeah. to people in a very godlike way. Totally. And it's it's fascinating you say like the purgatorial elements of it because it's like, yeah, they are stuck in purgatory and they have to answer to God, all of them, all, all of, of them. these people, Tom Burke, Ryan Gosling, KST, all of them eventually have to answer to this man. Yeah, that he is just, he's so phenomenal. Like He's amazing in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, definitely a force to be reckoned with. And definitely it's hard to say that he, that he's the antagonist of the film because he isn't really, but he's definitely one of the main motivators. This actor is named Vithaya uh, Pansringarm. Pansringarm. Thai actor. Very good. Also a master of that like sword thing that he actually used, which was a total coincidence when they hired him to play the cop. No way. Yeah. He's like a martial arts guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's funny you say that about the like antagonist kind of thing. Cause it's really um, kind of Chris and Scott Thomas is the antagonist. Yeah, totally. Right? Like as the mother. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. But like, He's also, he's not an antagonist, but he's merciless, you know? He is true, quote-unquote, justice, which sometimes doesn't feel necessarily fair, even though it's, like, super fair. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... I think, I think it has its own internal logic, though. Yes. That's what you're supposed to feel. Like, like the scene when, when he brings the father, the father beats Tom Burke to death. Yeah. And then he takes his hand mm-hmm. for punishment for the offense of allowing his teenage daughter to become a sex worker. Yeah. That like has a villainous logic to it that yes. you can see, right? He's allowing the father to mete out a greater punishment, which is taking a man's life. I mean, that's putting it lightly to <laughs> what he does to him in that scene. But yes. yeah, he's punishing the father. He's like taking a step back. It's like, if I had met you before this man had killed your daughter... I would have cut off your arm because your daughter is a sex worker. You know what I mean? It's like it's like in the I, wrong order. I yeah, I I kind of felt like in some ways what he did was like I'm going to do something. Like if we're looking at it from like a how to keep your hands clean kind of place, right? Like I I always felt like that scene was like, oh, you know, like this guy like we could do the, the the general cop thing we could do to people like this, which is like arrest them, put them in jail, all that stuff. This is because this is the first time you actually see him be a police officer, right? Like be mm-hmm. a cop. You aren't really ready or prepared yet to understand that what happens in this world is a little bit illogical and it's not going to follow like traditional trajectory. You still think that maybe if the police are investigating a murder that they're going to do police like <laughs> things like yeah. arrest people and take accounts and stuff. And instead he's like, mm, 
well, you know, there's greater justice in this world, like the justice that a like that a father can exact on a person who just killed this person's daughter. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to let you do that. And to me, it always felt like in a way, like sure, he was punishing him for the immorality, quote unquote, of letting his daughter become a sex worker. But I was thinking he was punishing him being like, you did kill a man. Yeah. Like you killed a man. And why, And because I understand that you killed him because he did something worse to you, your punishment isn't death, but I must punish you. Because yes. you, even though I condoned what you did, it's still not condonable, which is like truly what God would probably say or like a devil or something, right? Like that it's like, I'm yeah. going to let you do this, but know that there will be consequences. Well, you know what's interesting? I don't, I'm not sure if it's exactly he condones it, yeah. but he, he just says to the guy, do whatever you want. Yeah. And whatever you want doesn't mean kill him. you have to kill the guy. Totally. You could also let Tom Burke go. He's like, he leaves the moral judgment up to this man when the moral judgment could also just be like forgiveness. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an actual possibility. Totally. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like God is like, well, you made this decision, which is kind of the worst decision. It might cost you your hand because of that. And But in some ways, I also feel like the, 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 like the cops maybe in her monologue around this was also like, well, one less thing I need to clean up, you know, like <laughs> this was taken care of for me. Great. You know? Yeah. Like I, cause I feel like the, uh, Chang, like his, his decision would be like, well, if I deal with Tom Burke, it will also be the, the father is like the only chance for Tom Burke to actually get away with what he did. Yeah. Which is like, if the father forgives him, he can do it. He can but do the it. cop is kind of like, he's like, if you let me do it, <laughs> he's missing more than his hands, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, I really just find the Chang character of this, like probably the most fascinating part of it because they also use him, you know, I was thinking about like, I was thinking a lot about like the politics of this movie while I was watching it, right? Because Nicholas Weinreffen is Danish and he mostly considers himself American, you were saying earlier, actually. Yeah, he he said in an interview that he grew up in New York, so he he feels like kind of between American and Danish a little a lot, but he considers himself more New Yorker than Amer than uh Danish. So I think what regardless, I think something that falls here is that like he, he isn't Thai. You know, like no. there is, you know, I, I was thinking about like, there's a lot of like this movie is being viewed through like a white lens. Right. And, and then, but we see these like terrible American characters or British characters, like Western characters, we'll call them. Right. Yeah. Like in Julian, Ryan Gosling, uh, Billy, his, the mom whose name I forget, like, um, cause I think they're just call her mother. I don't oh know if, God. I don't remember. I don't think she has like a name name. Mommy dearest. Mommy dearest. Mommy yeah, I don't dearest. Know. Yeah. And then he, on the other hand, Chang, you know, so they kind of, to me, symbolize a lot of like Western influence in Thailand or in all and like Eastern Asia communities and, and, and cultures yeah. that have had Americanization happen. Right. Like, yeah. especially now, this also kind of exacerbated a little bit by the fact that they're a drug dealing family. Yeah. And like they own their other, their front business is like the, the weird kind of dark irony of their front business is also um getting thai men to fight each other yeah like like they're a muay thai boxing club you know? yeah they own a thai yeah. boxing club yeah and so so you have that you have these american westerners who do this and it feels very exploitative like and i think that that's part of what makes the movie 
something that's difficult that it does feel a little bit exploitative because there is a cultural exploitation that happens with it because in many ways it's part of the story that I think it tries to tell, right? Because then you mm-hmm. have a character like Chang who to me feels like a very like epitome of traditionalism, the epitome of like isolationism in terms of like the values and morals of like the Thai people essentially. Uh, because to me it always stuck out that they always position him as like a like a traditionalist. He uses a sword. Yeah. He lives in a very like non-neon house like everything else in the world is like lit in neon and fluorescent lights but his house is always depicted with like bright windows and like very spare not a lot of decoration he never speaks in english right like almost every other character every thai character speaks in english at some point to to talk to the westerners to talk to like he never really talks directly to anybody no any any white person yeah yeah exactly and and so i always thought that that was also very fascinating and then weirdly put him not weirdly but just like in this like almost like jarring moment then they position him in these like kind of act breaks in the karaoke scenes (laughs) yeah where he's just like singing these 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 pop songs these karaoke pop songs hard work to you need to relax sometimes yeah but he's just doing it so stiffly he's just standing on the stage with like just one bright light on him and he's just like it's weird because he looks like he's in a trance and not in a trance at the same time like he's he's like singing he's hitting the notes uh but he he's not emoting but he kind of is it's the performance is just wild honestly it's it's pretty crazy how this this movie has like two really amazing performances in it mm-hmm. which and neither of them are ryan gosling like gosling's fine i, d- I don't have anything against him but like just, no but he's not the, he's not the star yeah but like vithaya and kst are just so much more interesting yeah and they're bringing something so interesting and i think like so refin said this thing about there's something about um chang as the character he's enforcing this inherently illogical chaos back onto these people mm-hmm. because like they want to bring as you said kind of like maybe white western tradition values and things like that to this place that does not hold them properly yeah. because he's like in a way he's like he's just reinforcing the values of the land where he is kind of mm-hmm. and i think part of that is like it's shown in the contrast between the way that chang goes about getting justice quote unquote and the way that KST goes about getting quote unquote justice as well, mm-hmm. right? It's like her youngest son dies. She's got to hire a person to go first kill the father and then kill the cop and everything is right in the world. Whereas like Chang has a much more logical kind of like Old Testament version of that, you yeah. know? And yeah, I, I find that I find that really fascinating too. Yeah, it's definitely just a movie about who can exact revenge faster. It almost feels like two warring parties exacting revenge on each other for yeah, and like and like exacting revenge in ways that like us as kind of normies are just like you guys are both fucking like you're insane. both crazy. Like, it's yeah, so you're both wild. crazy. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think of? Okay, so one thing I find really fascinating about this movie is like the first time I saw it, I did not like it very much. Mm-hmm. And also lots of people really didn't like it. <laughs> like yep. it, it was like booed at like the Cannes film festival, much like, um, another fellow Dane of his Lars von Trier's antichrist. Like it was just <laughs> like a huge thing where people were expecting a thing and they didn't get it. And winding Refn has said that he actually likes that reception of it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of revels in it a little bit. And he said something where he was like, it's better to be 
evoking extreme reactions than just meh. That's true. And he's really happy with how people receive this movie. Like, do, mm. what do you think of that idea? Jesus, that <laughs> that is such a it's such a big topic, right? Because what do you think of art? Tell me what you think of art. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, right? That it's like I agree to a to an extent with Refn on that, right? Like, I think that art should move you. That's the truth. Like music should move you, painting should move you, movies should move you. If things aren't moving you, if you're not feeling something, whether that be happiness, like uh, fear, whatever, right? Like disgust in exactly. the case of this film a lot. In yeah. the case of this film, a lot of disgust. Uh, you know, to some degree, then yeah, I agree. Like then it's man, and why did you make something that has no value beyond a, a, a tepid reception, right? Like you just like can like watch it, forget it, and it's over, right? Yeah, that's kind of like in my I I really relate to Winding Refn, like in the way that as as a viewer, like I, I'm not a film director, but like yeah. as a viewer, it sounds so dumb, but it's like films are more interesting when they're interesting rather yeah. than just kind of being like a piece of bread you know like it's <laughs> yeah no I, I i i agree right but then there's also this other side of in my opinion you know like in my work as a graphic designer there's also a matter of like or even songwriting like it really art making creative practice right like to take the stand that part of what you can do is piss people off through disgust or whatever I, it's still a very privileged place to exist from, right? Like, like Refn can take that stand because he, in many ways, is still immune to true criticism. He's a fairly popular director, has a, a strong portfolio behind him, and like, even if generally Cannes didn't like it, he's got a numerous fans, and I don't think only God forgives would lose him the support of like the core people that enjoy his work. Right. Also, like I think with this movie specifically, he can take that stand because drive was received like with rapture totally. at the so, last Cannes film festival. And like, he can kind of a lot of goodwill when this film came out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you know, and, and I'm not say, like the thing is, I'm not even saying that this is a bad thing, but it's the truth, right? That it's like when a, there is something that, I think that you still need to care about your audience and I'm not saying that you need to protect them. And, you know, I'm very much a person that thinks that the playground should have, should have like wood chips because kids should get splinters. Like that's how you learn. That's how you experience the world. And part of how you experience the world is you need to experience the darkness of the world. And I think a lot of people have moved away from being able to interact with art that is about darkness. I've always admired your political position that if you ever ran for office, you would give children splinters on purpose. Yeah, I think that's exactly. Something that, I think that's something that not a lot of politicians are willing to really go for. And it's, I look you know, forward to your career. If yeah. just got a few more splinters during his growing up, maybe we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in, be in here in Vancouver. Definitely going to bleep that name. Yeah, so, oh, sorry. Yeah, you don't want to get sued or something. My bad. Um, and that's just your political opinion. Yes. All right, perfect. Yeah, yeah I, I think that and I think a lot of people are scared or not scared, but like have drawn away from engaging with dark art or like the art about darkness or threading darker topics because our words carry so much more weight now in, in a world where our words are like, you know, uh, uh, cemented into, into time by like, by me right now in this podcast, literally saying this opinion or going this on. This will be going to space for the aliens. For that's sure. fine. Now, send it. I mean, it's, I don't know if I have a choice in it anymore. That's the thing. Almost any time no. you put an opinion out into the public sphere, the public sphere can take it. Right. And I think people are scared to talk about things that 
that are uncomfortable. And specifically, I think about this and when only God forgives because there's a lot of things that are very uncomfortable about it, right? Like it's a particularly violent film towards women for one, right? And that is something that is dark and real, but a lot of people don't want to engage with it because it's dark and real. And at that point, you really have to mediate like how important is carrying the message of the movie versus what the actual cultural or like impact it might be on its viewership when it's so gratuitously violent. Right. Yeah. And, and that's something that I'm, um, again, it's like, I'm not even saying that in order to like, be like this movie doesn't deserve that accolade or that, but it, it's a movie that as I was watching it made me think a lot about that, about art that is purposely grating because that is a thing, right? Like I listen to grindcore and noise, music like there's nothing that is meant to be accessible or approachable about the, those genres of music but i still enjoy them even though you know like if i listen to something i don't know like some crazy grind band that talks about like murdering like 100 people or something it's like i'm not like for that but i can enjoy what they're trying to do with like what they're doing as a grind like a grind band or something right and in a lot of ways i feel like only god forgives falls in a similar place of like it's a dark movie about dark things, and um, that's why we did a content warning. Yeah, exactly. They, like I, I, I mean that. Like I, yeah. I don't mean that in a flippant way. Yeah, I was listening, um, the you know the sadist that I am. I was re-listening to the episode Pre and I did on Antichrist. Right. Yeah. Okay. Something I said in that, and I say that again here, is that like. I'm not in because we do these movies. I do them because I'm interested in them or you, Ricky are interested in them or pre is interested in them. We, it's a consensus that we all drive that we're like, we like this movie. Me and you have talked about how much we both like this film. Yes. It was something like antichrist too, which I think is a harsher film than this. Yeah. But I said this in the episode is like, it's also okay to be like, I don't want to watch a movie where there's lots of violence done to women. Yeah. Even if KST is a total bitch, like (laughs) that's fine. Like that's, that's, you don't have to like tape your eyes open and watch it. Like that's a totally legitimate and okay criticism to have. Yeah. If you feel that way and it prevents you from engaging with the artwork that I believe this film is, that's also totally fine too. Like I'm not going to, I don't judge people for having that feeling, Yeah. but like it's harder when it gets around to what, what happened with antichrist where they were just like, well, that movie's just misogynist. I'm like, well, it's not though. That's the thing. I just don't think that it is. Yeah. And when you start to label these things like this movie by being like, just because it has violence depicted against women means it's misogynist Mm -hmm. is it's as silly as saying like blue Valentine is feminist and Ryan Gosling is feminist for taking part in the film. Like, I don't think that that's really a one-to-one comparison. You're also labeling intent upon someone like Nicholas winding Refn that you just don't know. Yeah. And, and I think that that is a very dismissive way of viewing it basically. Yeah. On the other hand, if you don't want to watch it, don't do it. That's kind of my thing about it. And, and again, no one's forcing you to engage with art that makes you uncomfortable, but I think you should. I think you should. I think you should. To a limit. And everyone has a limit. And I think that's okay to have a limit. I agree. And I think that a lot of what then comes after is like how you respond to it, how you move on from that experience, either by disdain or not, is still like totally you're right and you should. And, and, and I, and I completely agree. Right. And there's so much, to choose, I, it, it, you really got me with the saying like they don't tape your eyes open. It's like it's true, and part of watching this movie is also watching it through squinting eyes at times. You know, like there are definitely moments where you just kind of like you just kind of pull like kind of squint and pull your eyes back a little bit because you're like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be brutal. You I know? I really like maybe maybe we can impact this a little bit because I really like um 
I really like art or artwork or or things like that. That and and Winding Reference very good at this. Yes, but things where you're like, well, I like that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't elicit pleasure in me. That's not the. Th- you know what I mean? Like, there's an aesthetic yeah. to it that doesn't elicit pleasure, but you are at the same time admirable of it. And I'll give you an example from a Reffin film. Like, mm-hmm. there's a scene where Ryan Gosling stomps a guy's head in an elevator. In drive. Which is disgusting. Yeah. But also there's something aesthetically pleasing about that scene because of the catharsis of it. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's protecting Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. The fact that a person would go so far as to do that to protect another person. Like there's this whole wrap of feelings where you're just kind of not kind of like this elicits pleasure within me, but I do like watching this, you know? (laughs) And, and, but it's hard to understand like the word for it. And this movie has a lot of that oh, too. I mean, but that's, I think that's exactly what I mean by about like an appreciation for like the darkness, right? Like yeah. an appreciation for things that are, you know, and uh, I mean, that goes totally into the whole, like, can you separate art from artists, blah, blah, blah. But like to keep it in, on topic and on this movie, or at least on Refn, you're right. There is something kind of like, I mean, it's the same it's the same drive that makes people listen to like doom music, you know, or uh, at least in my opinion, it's not about pleasure. It's about like feeling. The, yeah. But not exactly pleasurable feeling. It's just, it's, it's almost like a reminder of what it means to, yeah, to feel something to, and not something that's really good, but something like yeah. hard or difficult or it's, it's like a movie that makes you like, uh, there's like one spectrum where it's like a movie that makes you cry. Yeah. It's totally. like, it's like, well, logically people don't want to feel like really sad mm-hmm. but there is this like this release in watching a film that's like that makes you weep or something like that totally. right? or a piece of art or listening to a piece of music and i don't know like i like movies that get at that and i think movies like this kind of get at that too mm-hmm. and i i think refin he's kind of like he's just so good at that what and do you think refin wanted out of it what do you think, like, Refn's, like, I know that he was, like, I'm glad that people boot it, but, like, what do you think he wants people to, like, feel from this movie? Angry? Well, I don't I don't really think of Refn as, like, a provocateur, mm. kind of, mm-hmm. much like I, I don't, but I don't believe the same about Lars von Trier, and I feel like Refn, he's just a, uh, I think, but I do think he understands that some people will watch this movie and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think he understood it with Neon Demon as well. Yeah. I think that, I don't know what he wants out of this thing, but I think it's a culmination of these like interests of his own that kind of like build block by block into a pyramid that creates a total movie. Whereas like, for one, he wrote he wrote this, right? He wrote Neon Demon. He wrote this. He did not write Drive. Drive came to him as a script and he makes it. And you can kind of tell. Yeah. But also like, I don't, I, I it's a really good question. I don't know. That's, it's hard to label that intent, mm-hmm. you know? To me, you know, maybe taking it back, taking a step back from the plot and the things in it, but just as a, as a, as a, as a movie in, in his catalog <laughs> to me sometimes it feels like drive did really well and then people with money were like hey drive was really good and it was like really like it had, it had lights everywhere and like people weren't really talking and it was really slow and that was really cool can you do that again and Refn was like oh yeah i, can I got that. that shit in my back pocket yeah, I, can, yeah. I can do that again don't you worry yeah and then and then he took all that money and made a movie that was like but you're gonna hate it 
But you are going to edit. <laughs> I think so. I think it's like not a coincidence that when you watch something like Valhalla Rises, have you seen Valhalla Rises? Like eons ago. But yeah, like you see something like Valhalla Rises in comparison and then skip over Drive in comparison to this. And then you're like, those are similar films in the way that they're paced and edited yeah. and cut and all this kind of stuff. Whereas like Drive, yeah, like Drive feels like this standout from his style and so does something like i don't know if you've seen have you seen bronson no i haven't seen bronson. so i've i i rewatched bronson too and bronson yeah. is just like insane like it's yeah. just an insane film and it's but it's also very not like the refin we know today mm-hmm. but like the refin who's given full reign to do whatever he wants produces movies like only god forgives the neon demon his series on amazon the tool to die young which is like just quintessential him and then his the one he did on Netflix, Copenhagen Cowboy, which yeah. is also just like his just his aesthetic, just completely. Yeah, Copenhagen Cowboy, which is the one I've seen out of those two, is definitely <laughs> like it's just like the the Nicholas Wine Resident Palooza, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he's I think I think in a weird way, I would have to guess that what he wants out of a movie like this is to establish that it's like drive was good. But I am not drive. I am. Uh, I am something totally different. Yeah. And I don't know. Like maybe that's his his, his intent. Because he actually said about this movie. I read in an interview. He said about Only God Forgives. He was like, I don't consider that a very artistically and intent film like i don't think of it as like my quintessential film and i'm like well what are you watching yeah because it is like it's so his thing. It you is know? his. Yeah. And it, it it also starts what he has now become with Only God Forgives Neon Demon, Too Old to Die Young, Copenhagen Cowboy. You're just like, but these are so you. Like, yeah. this is so your thing. And and it's, I don't know, it's fascinating. That's so funny because, yeah, I mean, this movie, to me, it's almost like it's so shallow, but also so deep, but there's like no in-between with it. It's either like right against the ocean floor or it's just, or just on the shoreline, but there's no in-between ocean with it, in my opinion. And I, I say this because I watched this with my partner. They actually hated it. They were like, wow, that was awful. I right. wish I wish they were here. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They hated it. No, no spoiler. They they will be on the show next week. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We're and talking about a movie they like. <laughs> <laughs> they should have been here for this one, but they they didn't like it, and you know, and a lot of the reasons they didn't like it are reasons why I did like it, and so, but it's funny because their interpretation of certain things in the movie, like how vacuous it can be, because it just has all of this empty space. It's a very like open movie where the character isn't even like what's happening aren't even the characters. It's like the room is happening. The they you know it's like the karaoke scene where like literally no one is moving except for the guy singing they're they're not blinking and they're not even blinking yeah, yeah like it's crazy that, right? that's it's so fast i i'm gonna be tempted to like ask m next week what like to talk about this movie yeah you, <laughs> because i know that i've known M for a long time and they they don't dismiss anything out of hand without thought and so i'm so fascinated because like yeah, like I'm so curious as to what they thought, and you should just talk yeah. to them honestly because right, they we'll have, have good a, thoughts on this. We'll so. have a bonus section on the next week's. Yeah, episode. do it because the last the last long conversation I had with them, <laughs> Em asked me, "Is Michael Clayton a good movie?" <laughs> 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 Which was on New Year's Eve, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a great movie." 
Yeah, and then I yeah. was like, oh, good, because I, I was not in the mental state to know what kind of movie it was. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and it's funny because some of the things that, yeah, some of the things that they found were, like, difficult to the movie. I was like, oh, but that's, like, part of what is so beautiful about it. Like, it's how it's paced, how it's, it, it really, can we talk about plot for a second? Because there's, like, a moment. We can talk about plot, yeah. Okay. We like we've talked a lot about like a bunch of nonsense about it, so we can get into the plot if you want to get into. Well, something. there's just one thing that 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 was kind of one of the ambiguous moments of the film that I feel is like truly what I think how you interpret this moment is how you view the f- film. What scene is it? It is the scene where Ryan Gosling gets the shit beaten out of him by Chang. Yes. Then let's talk about the plot and we'll get there. Okay. Because the plot. Okay, like, okay, okay. The thing about the plot in this movie is like it's a 90 minute film. Yeah, it's quite short. And it's pretty short, even though it feels like pretty long because of how slowly paced it is. Yeah, let's get into the plot. Then we'll we'll kind of talk about it scene by scene. Julian Ryan Gosling, Mm -hmm. uh, Billy, uh, played by uh, Citizen Kane, uh, (laughs) run a a box. I had had totally forgotten that it was Tom Burke. I honestly Um, didn't even know it was Tom Burke. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, Tom Burke, who... I keep thinking that Tim Roth is in it, so... And he's not. Uh, that one Australian guy looks like Tim Roth. I look like th- Tim Roth's older, yeah, bigger yeah, yeah, faced yeah. brother. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That. <laughs> so they, they own this like Muay Thai club and uh, they watch a guy fight and then they, and Billy says, he gets the money and he says, uh, time to go meet the devil. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? And what it means is he wants to go to a brothel and have sex with an underage girl, as he says very explicitly to the brothel owner, which yeah. is, it's like so shocking. It, it is like actually shocking when he says that. Totally, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like it, and yeah. it's like right in the beginning of the film too. So like you really like you're like really like yeah. it was the cold dip in like like oh my god like he you, literally just said that. You <laughs> see you see Gosling for a minute, yeah. and then it's it's the Billy story for like another six seven minutes. Yeah, it's a dark and, little story. Oh my god the 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 part yeah where he tells the brothel and he's like I I want to. Of sex with an underage girl, and then he just attacks those sex workers. Is so like it's just so scary because it's you're just like, scary. why is he doing any of this? It's it's mm-hmm. like it's really awful. Yeah, and even he tells the brothel owner like he's like, why don't you bring your daughter here? And I was like, damn, yeah. dude, that is so like whoa. <laughs> and you know, like it once again just reminds me of like you know he writes these characters of tremendous privilege, like characters that. 100% feel like they are in a world that they control and can ask these things of it. There's a imperviousness to the way that Billy interacts with the the world around him that then is like clearly destroyed by by Chang when Chang enters the 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 picture, you know? That to me is like you don't like Billy and and it's purposeful so that when Billy gets his head fucking smashed in and you get to see it, which is pretty pretty hard. <laughs> you still can be like, you know what? Deserved. Yeah. Like, you know, you can still kind of be like, wow, that was brutal. And and yet I think I'm still on the side of like that. He deserved his head smashed in. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. yeah. And you do. I mean, that might be one of the least ambiguous parts is like, this guy's not good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's know? like, oh, if you had any doubts that, that Billy was good. Uh, let me let me put that up to you. Let me change that right now. Yeah. He gets beaten up in this one brothel. He goes to another brothel. Mm-hmm. He finds his his teenage girl and he takes her and just kills her. Just yeah, kills which her. Which you don't get to see. You don't see, but there is, it's pretty, 
yeah, violent. It's when pretty violent anyway. Like the the aftermath is yeah. The reveal is pretty part, but it's dark. one of those things that's like absurdly aesthetic for how awful it is because yeah. like the room is like covered in blood. But it's a very like it's exactly the tone of red that we've come to expect from Nicholas Winding Refn, yeah. you know. So so the Chang shows up to see this. He brings the father. He says, "Do what you want. Do whatever you want." The father beats Billy to death, uh, while Chang tacitly says that's okay then chang and the cops take the father out to like middle a bear, of nowhere like, Bangkok yeah, like, a, like a land and cut his hand off yeah and then uh ryan gosling is at the uh sex club with my his ostensible sex worker girlfriend yeah that um actress was actually a pop singer when she was a teenager in thailand she oh, was like cool pretty well known yeah but she had uh, she had like burnt out on singing and she kind of wanted to reinvent her career. She's very good in this movie. Yes. She's very good. She's very good. This is also, I never thought about this until I listened to the commentary. Yeah. There's a scene where she pleasures herself in front of Ryan Gosling and ties his hands down. Yes. And there's all these like symbols of Ryan Gosling's impotence because mm-hmm. of the spoiler alert incestual abuse he suffered at the hands of his mother that's strongly hinted at later in the film yes found that really fascinating and he sees a vision of chang slicing his hands off it's slicing his hands off before it actually happened then he finds uh he finds out his brother's been killed yeah uh the actor gordon brown who he's been in a bunch of winding rough and movies the he's the other he's like the the other Irish, or I think he's Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been in a couple Winding Raffin movies, and he's such a interesting performer, especially in this one because he just kind of looks. Yeah, he has says, like two lines. He has a couple lines, but he's he's <laughs> he's just a great little background guy, and yeah. he's got a lovely face. I wish he did more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's cool. So Julian finds out that uh, Billy's dead. Yeah, KST arrives in all her glory. Her dad's terrible, glory. and it's, it's terrible awful. every every minute that she is in on screen is terrible yeah <laughs> Did you, the part where she talks to the uh front desk worker at the hotel oh my god like, give me flashbacks of working in customer service yeah it blows mm-hmm. your socks off honestly i'm just i'm just like oh that is so uncomfortable and like you know the and, and she's written so well because she's written like the gaslighty manipulative witch that she every, is that first scene everything about her is in that first scene yeah and like the how she's like so still and then there's like a really long, uncomfortable moment. And she's like, what's your fucking problem? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah. Or, or even when she's just like, I am, uh, I'm grieving the death of my first son. Yeah. And this bitch won't give me my room. And it's like, if you didn't know that she was like a horrible human and had she not expressed it in such a like terrible way, maybe perhaps you would feel some empathy. You'd be like, oh, your son was killed. That's very unfortunate right but instead you're just like you're like wow i don't really care that your son died your son was an <laughs> asshole and you are also an asshole it, it's so funny that like billy billy kills a, a young girl and you're like that guy deserves to die and then kst is rude to a, an innocent lady at a front desk and you're like she also deserves, yeah, she to, also die. deserves to die <laughs> wow yeah wow <laughs> so she arrives and she talks to julian and is like hey you have to avenge your brother's death to find this guy who killed him. Yeah. And eventually they do. They find the father. They don't kill him. They don't him, kill do him. They? No, he lets him go. And yes, because the, the father tells says it's the cop. It's he the did. cop. He fingers the cop, basically. Yeah. There's an interesting part in this scene where Winding Refn talked about how when the father's confessing, uh, Gordon Brown is there, Ryan Gosling is there, and another uh, actor whose name I forget, but uh, he plays Charlie in the film. Mm-hmm. He'll come up later. 
Uh, he's a Thai actor. And they're interrogating him. And the cop is some, um, I mean, the father is explaining what happened. Yeah. The sound cuts out and it goes to score at this moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason was, was Winding Refn was like, originally we had this like long logical explanation about why the cop is the way that he is. And it was terrible and I hated it. And so uh, instead I just cut it out and I like let it be this like illogical, magical mystery. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and it works so much better. And I'm like, yes, it did. It did, <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah, because originally there was like some sort of like supernatural logic-esque explanation. And I was like, I'm glad you never really explained No, that. magic realism isn't good if you have to explain it, I think, so. Yeah. Um, we meet the, the cop has a, a young daughter mm-hmm. being taken care of by a, a woman who, I don't think they're married. This is a No, this sounds like it's a caretaker, yeah. yeah. Because he comes in and pays her immediately. Like, that's the first yeah. thing that he does when he enters the house. He pulls out the thing from his pocket, and she's very grateful. Yeah. Like, you're really led to believe that for all of his brutality, he's a fairly, like, good person. Whatever yeah. whatever that means to, like, a, a walking, talking demigod, you know? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. KST, she finds out about the cop. She targets the cop. There is uh This might be slightly out of order, but that's okay. Mm. She targets the cop. And the cop is shot at by these guys. Yeah, he gets uh, it. They they try to like do a drive by while he's eating lunch with his two kind of like the two cops that are always with him. Yeah, who are dressed like police, unlike him, who is dressed like an assassin. He's he's actually costumed in what uh, Thai police officers traditionally wear when they retire. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. interesting. I wondered because it did look very much like it looked military to some yeah. degree, or at least it did look like a uniform, but it wasn't the uniform that the other police officers were wearing. No. So, yeah. 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 The other and the, the his like kind of second in command cop yeah. who talks more than more he does. Than he honestly. does. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's also very good in this yes. film. Just this like his kind of like threatening bureaucratic presence yeah he's like he's like the he's like the mouth of mordor you know yeah yeah, that's so good and then as they fail uh the cop hits the one guy with boiling oil oh my god so that that assassin that they send the one with the longer hair and the scarf this cool scarf yeah gives like tarantino has to cast him in a film i know he's got (laughs) serious tarantino vibes he's so good he was a stuntman actually oh really and a lot of the a lot of the um kind of side characters in this movie because the budget was so low were stuntmen and they just wow yeah put them on yeah but uh he gets killed he gets cut open yeah he gets he gets really killed but he gets killed also after he gives up the other guy that yes. that was a part of the assassination attempt who is spared because who's, of his son who's spared disabled because of his son. Yeah. and because he gives him the information that he or you're led to believe that he gives the cop the information that he was about, looking for about who actually hired him to kill him right like yeah find the uh the middle-aged white lady yelling at the next next customer service person yeah, yeah, in bangkok yeah. like, that's her you, you can't miss her <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, the uh, Ryan Gosling goes for dinner with mom and Mai. Oh, God, that which scene is, is so painful. An insane scene. That is an absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah, like, Mai, I feel so bad for her. She's actually so, like, kind to him for, like, no... And, like, the thing is, like... She puts uh, up with a lot. Uh, yeah, and up to that point, you kind of feel a little sad for Ryan Gosling, more than anything. He showed yes. enough humanity out of his terrible family by comparison that at that point in the movie you're still kind of like maybe he's going to have a redemption arc of some form and i mean maybe to some degree he does we'll get to that i guess but like 
Um, but in that scene, to me, you lose a little bit. You, a little bit. You lose a lot of faith in him. At least I did. I find I have a lot of sympathy for Ryan Gosling in this movie. Mm-hmm. Not because my mother is anything like this at all. My mother is <laughs> lovely. Um, but because I just feel like, Ryan, you're a dipshit. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why? I mean, and, and as Maya says to him, she's like, why do you let her talk to you like that? Yeah. He's such a impotent mama's boy in a way. And that's the whole thing. Because he's traumatized, right? Like, that's the thing. It's like he was abused. Like, yeah. you are led to believe that his whole life has been abused at the hands of his mother and that this is the relationship that he has with her because that's the relationship that she made it be. Yeah. Right? The thing is, it's like he secretly... He knows that it's crazy. Oh, no, he hates and, her. And but he, he hates her. Yeah, and it's like he, he needs my to be a witness to the insanity. Yeah. And and it's so, there's like a part, like Ryan, I love Ryan Gosling as an actor, but there's this little part in this where KST is like talking about how much bigger Billy's dick was than him. Oh, my God. And then Ryan Gosling does this little like head tilt. He like tilts his chin down, be like a very much like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this is what you're, and it's like, it's so imperceptible at this moment, but you're just like, he's so good at that. He is. Like just eye face acting. He doesn't even like change his expression. I was going to yeah. say that possibly the m- most accolade I can offer Ryan Gosling on this movie is that he does a lot for somebody that at least 80% of this movie is just looking around. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he it's just like various shots of him looking at things. How many lines of dialogue do you think he has? Do you, like, I, I have the answer. You actually have the answer. I would say probably about thirty. Seventeen. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I was being. I was being yeah. very generous. And they're all very. They're apart from the take it off. They're all very quiet little lines. Very too. quiet. They're yeah. barely anything contrasted with Barbie. He just won't shut the fuck up. And he just <laughs> talks on and on. And just he's like, I'm Ken. Barbie's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the only line. Yeah. Greta Gerwig. Academy Award winner. <laughs> so that dinner is awesome. Ryan Gosling, find, like Chang comes to investigate the club to figure out who KST is, basically. Yeah, exactly. Then Ryan Gosling recognizes him as the man from his visions. Yeah. Follows him through the streets of Bangkok, doesn't find him. Eventually, they find each other and they fight. fight. Ryan Gosling gets his fucking ass kicked. You know, it's quite cool in a way because in the moment that he takes the fight, um, he's the one that instigates it. He goes up to Chang yeah. and goes... Hey, want to fight? Want to fight? Want to fight? It's like the key line from yeah. the uh, trailer. It's, yeah, yeah. And in again, in very ref and fashion, it's just like the slowest, the slowest shot of Chang eventually like softly nodding, and in that moment, you actually think like, oh, Chang might think that because at this point, all you've all all you've done is watch Chang and Ryan Gosling be pretty brutal. Like be pretty yeah. Ryan Gosling beats up two guys in that club. In that club, and yeah. and in that moment, and he does so in like the probably the dumbest way possible. Like he just slaps them silly, and then but he does it in a very vicious way where you're like, whoa, that looks at the same time a little pathetic, but still like really painful. It, it's the 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 movie has this interesting like constant creation of hierarchies because because like Gosling to feel bigger beats up these two men but he's like on this pedestal below his mother yeah and when he brings Mai to meet his mother he's like subconsciously placing her below him kind of you know yeah, what I mean? t- and then when he meets chang it's like a, a force even more powerful to reckon with than his mother yeah 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 and that not only like involves 
not just psychological abuse, but also getting the shit kicked out of you. Yeah. Chang is like, this is just like a little aside, I guess, but Chang is like what the Joker, I think, wishes that he could be in a lot of ways. Like the unstoppable force. Chang is the unstoppable force of justice or, yeah. you know, and similar, similar vibe. I think yeah. similar villain villainy, I think mm-hmm. as, as like the, the Nolan's Joker kind of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Less entertaining of a, of a role maybe, but like entertain, entertaining and it's in a different way. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cause I loved watching that actor just move around and do stuff. It, it just like, he's so threatening. He really, he really steals the movie. He does. Like, Cause which is, I thought, you know, it's kind of a toss-up between him and KST, but eventually you're just... The thing is, is at the end, and, and we're not going to skip ahead, but I'll spoil it. At the end, you're kind of like, yeah, Chang was kind of right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Chang was kind of right. Okay, you wanted to say about this fight, though. You, Sorry, yeah. yeah. So, he nods, and so you're kind of led to believe that Ryan Gosling, like, that Chang thinks, oh, this guy might actually put up a fight. Like, this might... Like, it almost like, I will... I will don this 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 peasant a fight with me because he might stand the chance at beating me and so you're like oh yeah this is gonna be like the fight of the century like ryan gosling just tore apart those two other dudes and then chang just like stands like a doll in the middle of the arena while ryan gosling prepares and circles him only to get his ass absolutely handed to him and eventually his mother walks in like my is there too watching this all happen and the other two cops are there so there's like a there are witnesses, right? And I think, and maybe I'm like totally reading too much into what I think happened here or why um, the mother character ends up at the ring at that time. But I actually have a feeling, I, I think, that Ryan Gosling kind of knew that the fight against Chang was going to be a loss and that by bringing him to the ring and then essentially... I what I can only assume inviting his mother to the ring being like, I'm going to kill the man that did this to Billy. He in a way actually helped Chang because he wanted to put Chang in the room with his mother without being like, it was my mother. But Chang in that moment recognizes like, that's her, that's the person. And from that, and to me, it actually felt like that was Ryan Gosling actually for the first time, truly betraying, his mom like he betrayed her in that moment yeah and the thing is too is when when ryan gosson goes to kst and says like it's more complicated yeah than just this father killing billy ryan gosson is actually secretly is like chang was completely justified yeah in totally. what happened and his mother can't emotionally see it but ryan gosling can is like no billy did something really wrong, wrong but he still is under the thumb of his mother at yes. this point and his mother is still like yes but the logical justice aspect of this doesn't satisfy my bloodlust yeah, for like, the killing of the son who i loved more than you yeah it's like yes but i don't give a fuck yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so, yeah. but but you know that ryan gosling and i think that's that's an interesting way of putting it i never really thought of that but mm-hmm. that is the moment where chang basically recognizes that it. it's like exactly up there that, she is that's the woman up to at that point he actually had no idea that who she was and ultimately what he wants in multiple occasions actually proves that ryan gosling was never his mark he even goes to the club the first time to investigate it and says the line, it's not that guy. This is not the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't even really know why the hell he's saying it, but it, he says it. It's because it, when the guy who gives up KST, the, the Thai hitman yeah. with the disabled son, yeah. when it gives, who gives it up, he obviously has told Chang there was another white man there. Yes. And that that white man was Gordon Brown, I believe. Yes, it was Gordon so, Brown. And yeah, but then also like, 
Chang tracks down the Australian guy yeah. who he violently tortures. In a room full of things to torture people with that you don't expect. <laughs> that scene I find to be like the most it's super hard to watch. It's hard, yeah, for sure. Because um, he he stabs his legs in his arms. His arms first. His, so and, he can't get up. And, and then his legs. Cuts open his eyes yeah. and then he stabs a thing through his head and it's really fucking gross. It's yeah. crazy gross. And just the... Uh, that actor, his screaming is Tim Roth, awful. you mean, right? Tim, the Tim, <laughs> Tim, Tim Roth, Roth uh, Tim Roth 2. Yeah, Tim Roth 2.0. Sh- like shrieking, like it's unbelievable. Yeah, he, it's really tough. That scene is so funny because it is a dark, it's a dark, intense ass like scene, but I also just find it almost humorous because it's just Chang walking around this room, which is meant to be like a karaoke club of some form or like a, just a club. Like, it's meant to be, like, that's what the guy calls it anyways. It's like, who let you into my club, you know? Shot in a uh, gay club. Oh. Lots of, the, lots of the shots, lots of the stuff in this movie was filmed in Chinatown, in Bangkok, in actual brothels, gay clubs, and clubs. Oh, that's cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, Fascinating. So that, that, it's a beautiful room. But it's funny because he just walks around it and keeps finding incredibly sharp like hair sticks the decor yeah like he just reaches into like a fruit basket and pulls out a knife and you're like i mean it makes sense because i guess you'd need a knife to cut fruit but it does seem odd that there would just be this very lethal looking knife just hidden in this orange i I think i think one is like the basic instinct ice pick thing yeah it is like he just reaches into this thing that's literally full of ice picks i'm like who needs like yeah. who needs 10 ice picks <laughs> i also he also doesn't he doesn't winding reference doesn't say it in the commentary but the part where he, he cuts his eye is that not a reference to that really famous surrealist uh the dolly yeah film? Probably. that no, seems like to it, right? uh luis buñuel yeah buñuel yeah, the, yeah. the uh, uh Lou. Lou, yeah 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 that's I my suspect that, so that's my that's our cred our film cred. there it we is know, thank you we know about the most famous did surrealistic you, did you wonder if i was an artist before <laughs> now i've said sean on you've watched a 12 minute short film yeah oh great <laughs> yeah yeah our credibility is unquestionable and so the fight we see it he gets his ass kicked yeah talk to me about about what you were saying about how this scene is the one that kind of hinges on what you think of the film I think that if in that moment you either understand or do not understand why Ryan Gosling did what he did, why that event took place, Mm -hmm. is how you, in my opinion, resolve the rest of the story, right? Because for me, that was Ryan Gosling doing something subversive to finally rid himself of his mother in a way that in a way that he couldn't before because of his traumatic bond to her right but he understood i think that it's like oh this man can do it this man can kill her and i can be rid of my of right. this looming thing above my head right Yet another example of Ryan Gosling's impotence uh-huh, exactly yeah. right like i can't kill my own mother but if i if but if i somehow signal to this man who my mother is then this will just happen because this is who he wants anyways. He wants my mother dead, not me, Yeah. right? But I think there's also the other interpretation, which I think is the one that a lot of people took away, which is like that was actually like a more coincidental happening than than not. Like she went because she obviously has business at that club, at that boxing club because it's her son's club and it's where they essentially launder their money or whatever, right? But like because you never actually see Ryan Gosling like call mom and be like yo come to the club I've no got no, the nothing is plotted exactly yeah. like it really feels like it just kind of happened and when you think about it as something that just kind of happened I think you don't have as much empathy for the one moment where Ryan Gosling even though 
impotently deciding that he can't kill his mother finally does something that is the the pivot point of her not getting away with her bullshit anymore right yeah. like that is the moment where she even recognizes and goes to him in the back room and it's like you're the only thing that can stand between this man and me now like yeah. i he now knows who i am and now if you don't stop him like the way that you you did for me when you killed your father which is the other kind of big reveal that part about their trauma bond he will kill me and i think that that is i think everything ryan gosling does from that moment onward is just knowing that it's just a matter of time so in the next little bit he goes to essentially kill the the child yeah. and the the care worker with charlie the other um one of his associates yeah I certainly think in that scene, he's deliberately getting out of the way. Yeah. And that's why so he doesn't, that's why he doesn't want to kill them as we see, because he shoots Charlie when Charlie's about to kill the young girl. Yes. But Ryan Gosling is like, I just want to get everyone out of, I want to clear the path for Chang to be able to find exactly. my mother. Which, I definitely felt that. Which he does. And he kills Chris and Scott Thomas yes. with at the hotel room. At the hotel room. And then, one of many balconies that she seems to hang out on. Oh, yeah. She's got an amazing hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it is shocking they didn't have that ready. Like, who is staying? Come on. Like, yeah. She's probably <laughs> you know, the biggest right? client like, at the hotel. It is. Yeah. the She gets killed in, like, this big white room where she continues to prove once again that she's an intolerable, terrible person because the first second she gets is she throws Ryan Gosling under the bus oh, yeah. to try and get away from being killed by Chang. I'm not understanding, I think, in that moment that it's Chang an, doesn't need any... Com- it's done. Like, you're dead. He's just biding his time at this point, you know? Um, yeah, and so then Ryan Gosling finds her yeah. um, and just and cuts really her open gross. and sticks his hand inside of her womb. Goes back in the womb. Goes back in the womb. Yeah, that the we all needed that that symbological moment. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's this bit in the commentary where Winding Refn was like, he was like, at can a woman approached me about this movie and she was like, this whole movie, it takes place in a vagina, right? <laughs> 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 and, and he was like, I think, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, that this. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of it is like resolving the impotence of masculinity and oh yeah right right and and yeah i don't know it's just that that final kind of scene where ryan gossing is free of his of his tormentor and he you know and the movie kind of ends with him getting his hands chopped off yeah i think i, I just like i like the idea of someone approaching nicholas wine and reverend with that because it sounds just so excessively french to be like that to have like this is 100% what the film means and it's kind of absurd but also makes perfect well, so, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's yeah, like it it's very French, yeah. Checks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and but that's the thing is like like this movie it's just it's it's like a mama's boy story about impotence. Like it totally is. Yeah. And so and while he was Ryan was at the house, he takes the sword after he he retracts his hand from the womb mm-hmm. of his mother, he goes to Chang and he gives him the sword and presents his hands. Yeah. And then whoop, slice karaoke time baby <laughs> yeah beautiful last karaoke scene that we yeah. needed the palate cleanser yeah yeah the ha- hands are specifically ryan gosling's hands are a huge thing that comes up in the movie over and over and over again yeah they're they're like a motif yeah. it's it's and and they're they're a symbol of his impotence right? yeah that's the whole thing i think and and it's no surprise that like i think there's a part right when billy 
has gone to meet the devil, quote unquote, and therefore summoning Chang. The devil. You see Ryan Gosling clenching his hands. You see him looking at his hands in a way. And then you get many shots of just his hands Hands. at the part where they will be cut off later in the film, which is is really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of like premonition on that. Yeah, dude, that's it. That's the movie. We've solved it. There's no other way to... There's no other way to interpret it. No other way to interpret this film. Not at all. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, the devil. I think maybe the devil came because I think the tagline of this movie has something to do with... I think it was just the tagline when we was time to meet the devil. Time to meet the devil. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Uh, good one. It is a good one. Yeah, I definitely like... I, I As we break it down, I... It's just a difficult movie. Really, truly, it's just like uh, like it's a great movie, but it is a difficult one. It's rewarding in the engagement. Mm-hmm. It's rewarding to engage with. Yeah. And again, like I said earlier, it's like you don't have to, but yeah. it is like, yeah, it's so fascinating to me that your, your partner had such a different reaction to like myself or yourself. Mm-hmm. That's That's like the beauty of it, I think. Like I, I mean, isn't that the beauty of good art? Yeah, and I I struggle with that. I don't struggle with it because I don't really care. But like I I often think about that with something like like Neon Demon. I think is like an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. We did a we did a pod on it, and I clearly love that film. Which is your favorite though? Sorry, what's your favorite movie though of all time? No, Raffin movie. Oh no, Neon Demon. It would be Neon oh, for Demon for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's like head and shoulders above his other films in quality. That might. It's so funny because that might be like a laughable position to other people because they're like Drive is so clearly his best movie, but it's like, well, I don't know. I think I've watched many of his movies multiple times. Mm-hmm. Drive is like a fucking really. It's like drinking Coca Cola. Yeah, and it's totally. like less complex. And I think that like something like this or Neon just reward you more for it i don't know at the same time coca-cola tastes good it does Mm. and it goes fast then there's also the things i think that the aesthetic of the film is interesting too good because it's beautiful it is a beautiful beautiful movie reffin reffin is like one of the more like visually gifted people Mm -hmm. who work and he gets really great work out of cinematographers who aren't necessarily like they're not like gordon willis like they're you know like a couple of them like i don't even remember the cinematographer of this film but even the one who shot neon demon is like they're not super famous because all of his movies are pretty low budget yeah but they do such incredible work with reffin and i i it's like shocking how it's not as admired you know i wonder if it's because it got so tied into like synth wave <laughs> you know like reffin's whole aesthetic is so like even just the music in only god forgives is like blaring synth music yeah. and and discordant piano and yeah. it cliff is martinez former drummer of the red hot chili peppers no way yeah oh really yeah cliff martinez is a huge film score guy. well that the score is amazing he he does he i said this in neon demon too he does his best work with reffin even yeah. though like he works with soderberg a lot like but his reffin scores are fucking unreal they're unreal i forget how good the score is and it just marries so well with the dark like high contrast red blue that the whole movie carries on through the entirety of it it's all these beautiful shades of like yeah. fluorescent red fluorescent blue the aesthetic washes out the the idea that the film might have meaning to a lot of people mm-hmm. i think yeah, totally. i think the film like people are like it's so stylish and fun to watch that alleviates the need to really delve into the meaning of it which is okay that's fine like i I don't mind that if you don't i agree with you i think that i think that reference style as much as it is such eye candy i think because it's eye candy a lot of people dismiss it as just eye candy you know it's like he and to be fair like if you really think about it like 
he'd make he'd make great music videos if he hasn't done any and I'm sure he has. He hasn't actually. He hasn't? No. He'd be an amazing he, music You would director. think though, you would think that he started that way. Totally. But he didn't. Almost no. all of his movies are so have such of so much of that, like so much of that style that you would get from like the music video era where it's yeah. like because that's what music videos were about in a lot of ways, you know? So yeah, mm. it's just to me that's one of the coolest parts about his practice. It's that he, it, is, it is very much like he doesn't sacrifice tone for the story and he really tries to kind of like bridge the two into like coalescence of a beautiful glossy film yeah about something that isn't beautiful or glossy at all i think people might get like the impression if they've never really delved into him as like a director like get the impression that he's like kind of like arty and not very yes they might think of him more as like lynch now, mm-hmm. David Lynch is like obviously amazing, but one weird, the weird thing I find with David Lynch is when you try to listen to David Lynch talk about filmmaking and stuff, he's just kind of like, uh, well, I do it because I'm a genius and I make these things because I'm a genius. And so I just use my genius and I just make these. That's my impression I get from Lynch, right? Yeah, yeah. These ideas are like sprouted out of him in this very genius-ass kind of way. Mm-hmm. Refn is like actually quite logical and like very down-to-earth and workmanlike in the way he approaches things. Mm. Despite the fact that he like gets tarot readings done by like Jodorowsky and stuff. He's like very, you can tell he's like thought a lot of this stuff like through even the idea that a lot of his films are open to interpretation, you can tell that he's like, yeah, but that's how I wanted it to be. So I made it that way. Yeah. And he, he, cause like there was stuff, the director's commentary that I watched is like him and a journalist whose name I'm, I'm forgetting. And the journalist is kind of like prodding him with questions the mm-hmm. whole time, which is not normal. Like normally director's commentaries are just talking about the movie. Yeah. But like, there's lots of times where like Refn, they're like, he's analyzing his own work and it's just like, I don't know. It's just like really cool. Like he's really cool about that kind of stuff. He's really open to talking about that. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. And I also like a director that can understand that it's like they don't need to explain everything. Art doesn't no. always need a full like explanation. I think, you know, uh, when I go to a gallery, as much as I want to read like the intention, like the artist statement, it's like I also just want the art to move me on its own, right? Like I think that Refn in a lot of ways through film creates accessible moments where you can enter art from from a perspective of like from being a viewer that might not understand it might not like engage with it on the at the level that he wants but his art's still beautiful to look at and beautiful and and there's still something to perceive and and gather from it right and then if you want to you can get nerdy about it and really dive into like the symbology and the like the deeper stuff that may have gone into it and the things that maybe Refn himself is like you don't necessarily need to answer that at least i'm not going to answer it for you this is for you to figure out what we're doing as an exercise is like the most yeah what, like, like maybe he's gonna write to you and be like you you, you solved it yeah maybe maybe You're like wow first podcast i ever heard about this film where you, you nailed it i think i think there's like a mode there's a mode of enjoyment that's that's like many levels like below that not not i don't mean like in a hierarchical sense but like that are like just a different way of interpreting where it's just kind of like i don't know he just makes beautiful shit and i like looking at it and you don't have to really be like oh it's all about the womb and impotence and it takes place in a vagina like you don't have to really think of that way yeah man let's wrap this up okay it's been really great it's been awesome thank you of course you're a lovely person. I'm 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 so humbled to be brought on and to give my opinion about about this movie. Don't be humble at all. I can only be. Don't. Okay. Everybody, Ricky, thank you again. Thank you, John. If you see him on the streets, 
give him $20, literally. Just oh, take $20 yeah. out of your wallet and be like, Ricky, this for you. Thank you. Yes, please. I if you see it. Nicholas Winding Ruffin, give him $20. He probably needs it. Yeah. Actually, he probably doesn't, but like he could use it. To make another movie. Another yeah, budget another movie with 20 great bucks. Film. Yeah. <laughs> but also just let the $20 bills flow. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>